0: Chapter 13 of The Hour of the Dragon by Robert E. Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 A Ghost Out of the Past. Soon after sunrise, Conan crossed the Argosian border. Of Beloso he had seen no trace. Either the captain had made good his escape while the king lay senseless or had fallen prey to the grim man-eaters of the Zingara forest. But Conan had seen no signs to indicate the latter possibility. The fact that he had lain unmolested for so long seemed to indicate that the monsters had been engrossed in futile pursuit of the captain, and if the man lived, Conan felt certain that he was riding along the road somewhere ahead of him. Unless he had intended going into Argos, he would never have taken the eastern road in the first place. The helmeted guards at the frontier did not question the Cimmerian. A single wandering mercenary required no passport nor safe conduct, especially when his unadorned mail showed him to be in the service of no lord. Through the low grassy hills, where streams murmured and oak groves dappled the sward with lights and shadows, he rode, following the long road that rose and fell away ahead of him over dales and rises in the blue distance. It was an old, old road, this highway from Poyntain to the sea. Argos was at peace. Laden oxwains rumbled along the road, and men with bare, brown, brawny arms toiled in orchards and fields that smiled away under the branches of the roadside trees. Old men on settles before inns under spreading oak branches called greetings to the wayfarer. From the men that worked the fields, from the garrulous old men in the inns where he slaked his thirst with great leathern jacks of foaming ale, From the sharp-eyed, silk-clad merchants he met upon the road, Conan sought for news of Beloso. Stories were conflicting, but this much Conan learned. That a lean, wiry Zingarin with the dangerous black eyes and mustaches of the Western folk was somewhere on the road ahead of him, and apparently making for Mesantia. It was a logical destination, all the seaports of Argos were cosmopolitan in strong contrast with the inland provinces, and Messantia was the most polyglot of all. Craft of all the maritime nations rode in its harbor, and refugees and fugitives from many lands gathered there. Laws were lax, for Messantia thrived on the trade of the sea and her citizens found it profitable to be somewhat blind on their dealings with seamen. It was not only legitimate trade that flowed into Messantia; Smugglers and buccaneers played their part. All this Conan knew well, for had he not, in the days of old, when he was a Barakan pirate, sailed by night into the harbor of Mesantia to discharge strange cargoes? Most of the pirates of the Barakan Isles, small islands off the southwestern coast of Zingara, were Argosian sailors, and as long as they confined their attentions to the shipping of other nations, the authorities of Argos were not too strict in their interpretation of sea laws. But Conan had not limited his activities to those of the Barakkan's. He had also sailed with the Zingaran buccaneers, and even with those wild black corsairs that swept up from the far south to harry the northern coasts, and this put him beyond the pale of any law. If he were recognized in any of the ports of Argos, it would cost him his head. But without hesitation he rode on to Messantia halting day or night only to rest the stallion and to snatch a few winks of sleep for himself. He entered the city unquestioned, merging himself with the throngs that poured continually in and out of this great commercial center. No walls surrounded, Messantia; The sea and the ships of the sea guarded the great southern trading city. It was evening when Conan rode leisurely through the streets that marched down to the waterfront. At the ends of these streets he saw the wharves and the masts and sails of ships. He smelled salt water for the first time in years, heard the thrum of cordage and the creak of spars in the breeze that was kicking up whitecaps out beyond the headlands. Again the urge of far-wandering tugged at his heart. But he did not go to the wharves. He reined aside and rode up a steep flight of wide, worn stone steps to a broad street where ornate white mansions overlooked the waterfront and the harbor below. Here dwelt the men who had grown rich from the hard-won fat of the sea, a few old sea-captains who had found treasure afar, many traders and merchants who never trod the naked decks, nor knew the roar of tempest or sea-fight. Conan turned in his horse at a certain gold worked gate, and rode into a court where a fountain tinkled and pigeons fluttered from marble coping to marble flagging. A paid in jagged silken jumper, jupon, and hose came forward inquiringly. The merchants of Messantia dealt with many strange and rough characters, but most of these smacked of the sea. It was strange that a mercenary trooper should so freely ride into the court of a lord of commerce. The merchant Publio dwells here. It was more statement than question, and something in the timbre of the voice caused the page to doff his feather chaperone as he bowed and replied, "'Aye, so he does, my captain.' Conan dismounted, and the page called a servitor, who came running to receive the stallion's rein. "'Your master is within?' Conan drew off his gauntlets and slapped the dust of the road from cloak and mail. "'Aye, my captain.' "'Whom shall I announce?' "'I'll announce myself,' grunted Conan. "'I know the way well enough. Bide you here.' And, obeying that peremptory command, the page stood still, staring after Conan as the latter climbed a short flight of marble steps, and wondering what connection his master might have with this giant fighting-man who had the aspect of a northern barbarian. Menials, at their tasks, halted and gaped open-mouthed as Conan crossed a wide, cool balcony overlooking the court and entered a broad corridor through which the sea-breeze swept. Halfway down this he heard a quill scratching and turned into a broad room whose many wide casements overlooked the harbor. Publio sat at a carved teakwood desk, writing on rich parchment with a golden quill. He was a short man, with a massive head and quick dark eyes. His blue robe was of the finest watered silk, trimmed with cloth of gold, and from his thick white throat hung a heavy gold chain. As the Cimmerian entered, the merchant looked up with a gesture of annoyance. He froze in the midst of his gesture. His mouth opened. He stared at a ghost out of the past. Unbelief and fear glimmered in his wide eyes. "'Well?' said Conan. "'Have you no word of greeting, Publio?' Publio moistened his lips. "'Conan?' he whispered incredulously. "'Mithra! Conan! Amra! Who else?' The Cimmerian unclasped his cloak and threw it with his gauntlets down upon the desk." "'How, men?' he exclaimed irritably. "'Can't you at least offer me a beaker of wine?' "'My throat's caked with the dust of the highway.' "'Ay, wine!' echoed Publio mechanically. Instinctively his hand reached for a gong, then recoiled as from a hot coal, and he shuddered. While Conan watched him with a flicker of grim amusement in his eyes, the merchant rose and hurriedly shut the door, First, craning his neck up and down the corridor "'to be sure that no slave was loitering about. "'Then, returning, he took a gold vessel of wine from a nearby table "'and was about to fill a slender goblet "'when Conan impatiently took the vessel from him "'and, lifting it with both hands, drank deep and with gusto. "'Ah, it's Conan right enough,' muttered Publio. "'Man, are you mad?' By chrome, Publio, said Conan, lowering the vessel but retaining it in his hands. You dwell in different quarters than of old. It takes an Argosian merchant to wring wealth out of a little waterfront shop that stank of rotten fish and cheap wine. The old days are past, muttered Publio, drawing his robe about him with a slight involuntary shudder. I have put off the past like a worn out cloak. Well retorted Conan. You can't put me off like an old cloak. It isn't much I want of you, but that much I do want, and you can't refuse me. We had too many dealings in the old days. Am I such a fool that I'm not aware that this fine mansion was built on my sweat and blood? How many cargoes from my galleys passed through your shop? "'All merchants of Messantia have dealt with the sea rovers at one time or another,' mumbled Publio nervously. "'But not with the black corsairs,' answered Conan grimly. "'For Mitra's sake be silent,' ejaculated Publio, sweat starting out on his brow. His finger jerked at the gilt-worked edge of his robe. "'Well, I only wish to recall it to your mind,' answered Conan. "'Don't be so fearful,' You took plenty of risks in the past when you were struggling for life and wealth in that lousy little shop down by the wharves, and were hand in glove with every buccaneer and smuggler and pirate from here to the Baroccan Isles. Prosperity must have softened you. I am respectable, began Publio. Huh, meaning you're rich as hell, snorted Conan. Why? Why did you grow wealthy so much quicker than your competitors?' "'Was it because you did a big business in ivory and ostrich feathers, "'copper and skins and pearls and hammered gold ornaments, "'and other things from the coast of Kush? "'And where did you get them so cheaply, "'while other merchants were paying their weight in silver to the Stygians for them?' "'I'll tell you, in case you've forgotten. "'You bought them from me, at considerably less than their value, "'and I took them from the tribes of the Black Coast.' "'and from the ships of the Stygians, "'I and the black corsairs.' "'In Mitra's name cease,' begged Publio. "'I have not forgotten. "'But what are you doing here? "'I am the only man in Argos who knew "'that the king of Aquilonia was once Conan the Buccaneer "'in the old days. "'But word has come southward of the overthrow of Aquilonia "'and the death of the king.' "'My enemies have killed me a hundred times by rumors,' "'grunted Conan.' "'Yet here I sit and guzzle wine of Carros and he suited the action to the word. Lowering the vessel, which was now nearly empty, he said, "'It is but a small thing I ask of you, Publio. "'I know that you are aware of everything that goes on in Messantia. "'I want to know if a Zingaran named Beloso, or he might call himself anything, is in this city.' He's tall and lean and dark like all his race, and it's likely he'll seek to sell a very rare jewel. Publio shook his head. I have not heard of such a man, but thousands come and go in Miss If he is here, my agents will discover him. Good. Send them to look for him, and in the meantime have my horse cared for and have food served me here in this room.' Publio assented volubly, and Conan emptied the wine-vessel, tossed it carelessly into a corner, and strode to a nearby casement, involuntarily expanding his chest as he breathed deep of the salt air. He was looking down upon the meandering waterfront streets. He swept the ships in the harbor with an appreciative glance, then lifted his head and stared beyond the bay, Far into the blue haze of the distance where sea met sky, and his memory sped beyond that horizon to the golden seas of the south under flaming suns, where laws were not and life ran hotly. Some vagrant scent of spice or palm woke clear-etched images of strange coasts, where mangroves grew and drums thundered, "'of ships locked in battle and decks running blood, "'of smoke and flame and the crying of slaughter. "'Lost in his thoughts, he scarcely noticed when Publio stole from the chamber. "'Gathering up his robe, the merchant hurried along the corridors "'until he came to a certain chamber, "'where a tall, gaunt man with a scar upon his temple "'wrote continually upon parchment.' There was something about this man which made his clerkly occupation seem incongruous. To him Publio spoke abruptly. Conan has returned. Conan? The gaunt man started up, and the quill fell from his fingers. The corsair? I The gaunt man went livid. Is he mad? If he is discovered here, we are ruined. They will hang a man whose shelters are trades with the corsair as quickly as they'll hang the corsair himself. What if the governor should learn of our past connections with him? He will not learn. Answered Publio grimly. Send your men into the markets and wharfside dives and learn if one Beloso, a Zingaran, is in Messantia. Conan said he had a gem which he will probably seek to dispose of. The jewel merchants should know of him, if any do. And here is another task for you. Pick up a dozen or so desperate villains who can be trusted to do away with the man and hold their tongues afterward. You understand me?' "'I understand.' The other nodded slowly and somberly. "'I have not stolen, cheated, lied, and fought my way up from the gutter to be undone now by a ghost out of my past,' muttered Pulio and the sinister darkness of his countenance at that moment would have surprised the wealthy nobles and ladies who bought their silks and pearls from his many stalls. But when he returned to Conan a short time later, bearing in his own hands a platter of fruit and meats, he presented a placid face to his unwelcome guest. Conan still stood at the casement, "'staring down into the harbor at the purple and crimson and vermilion and scarlet sails "'of galleons and caracks and galleys and dromans. "'There's a Stygian galley if I'm not blind,' he remarked, "'pointing to a long, low, slim black ship lying apart from the others, "'anchored off the low, broad, sandy beach that curved round to the distant headland. "'Is there peace, then, between Stygia and Argos?' THE SAME SORT THAT HAS EXISTED BEFORE, ANSWERED PUBLIO, SETTING THE PLATTER ON THE TABLE WITH A SIGH OF RELIEF, FOR IT WAS HEAVILY LADEN, HE KNEW HIS GUEST OF OLD. STYGIAN PORTS ARE TEMPORARILY OPEN TO OUR SHIPS AS OURS TO THEIRS. BUT MAY NO CRAFT OF MINE MEET THEIR CURSED galleys OUT OF SIGHT OF LAND. THAT GALLEY CREPT INTO THE BAY LAST NIGHT. WHAT ITS MASTER'S WISH I DO NOT KNOW. So far they have neither bought nor sold. I distrust those dark-skinned devils. Treachery had its birth in that dusky land. I'll make them howl," said Conan carelessly, turning from the window. In my galley, manned by black corsairs, I crept to the very bastions of the sea-washed castles of black-walled Kehemi by night and burned the galleons anchored there. And, speaking of treachery, mine host, suppose you taste these viands and sip a bit of this wine just to show me that your heart is on the right side. Publio complied so readily that Conan's suspicions were lulled, and without further hesitation he sat down and devoured enough for three men. And while he ate... Men moved through the markets and along the waterfront, searching for a Zingaran who had a jewel to sell, or who sought for a ship to carry him to foreign ports. And a tall gaunt man with a scar on his temple, sat with his elbows on a wine-stained table in a squalid cellar with a brass lantern hanging from a smoke-blackened beam overhead, and held converse with ten desperate rogues whose sinister countenances and ragged garments proclaimed their profession. And, as the first stars blinked out, they shone on a strange band spurring their mounts along the white road that led to Missantia from the west. They were four men tall, gaunt, clad in black hooded robes, and they did not speak. They forced their steeds mercilessly onward, and those steeds were gaunt as themselves, and sweat-stained and weary, as if from long travel and far wandering. End of chapter 13